Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I want to be honest with you folks. I didn't want to do this episode. I hate the Boston Celtics. Rob, censor the word Celtics here in the intro, please, sir. I don't even want to hear me say that word. I am Bang Bang Lakers gang. You all know what it is. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. My plan was to never make this episode. I believe the basketball gods injured Andrew Bynum and made the Lakers lose that 2008 NBA Finals just so the Lakers, my Lakers, and Kobe Bryant could make a triumphant hero turn in Game 7 of the 2010 Finals. The 2008 Finals, to me, is less of a memorable Finals and really part of a grander, more dramatic storytelling for the Los Angeles Lakers. Speaking of a good story, Kevin Maurice Garnett was born May 16th, 1976 in Malden, South Carolina. He was a Parade All-American and Mr. Basketball in South Carolina as a junior averaging 28 and a half points and 18 and a half rebounds per game before moving to Chicago the following season where KG played at Farragut Academy, winning the city title with a 28-2 record and another Mr. Basketball title, this time in Illinois. Garnett was ready to make the leap to the NBA. The 1995 NBA draft, one pick after Mr. Rashid Wallace and 12 picks before Bobby Sura. Just wanted to make a Bobby Sura reference here. KG was selected fifth by the still-fledgling Minnesota Timberwolves. The seven-year-old Minnesota Timberwolves drafting the 19-year-old Kevin Garnett, making him the first high schooler taken straight to the league since Daryl Dawkins and Bill Willoughby in 1975. So how did the kid do in Minnesota? How about all-rookie team his first year? Ten trips to the All-Star game. Seven times all-defensive team, five of those being the first team. Four-time rebounding champ and an MVP season in 2003-2004 where he averaged 24.2, 13.9 rebounds, five assists, one and a half steals, and 2.2 blocks per game. And, and by the way, he played all 82 games that season at almost 40 minutes per game. But KG and the Wolves could not win the big one. In his second year in the league, KG's Wolves lost in the first round. Third season, lost first round. Fourth season, lost first round. Fifth season, lost first round. Sixth season, lost first round. Seventh season, lost first round. Eighth season, lost first round. Win the big one. They couldn't win any of the ones in the playoffs. But during that magical MVP season, KG had many primed to make their first real run deep into the NBA playoffs. The Wolves beat the Nuggets in the first round, beat the Kings in seven in the second, and finally made the Western Conference Finals, where they would lose to the greatest NBA franchise of all time, my Los Angeles Lakers. KG's next three seasons in Minneapolis, the team wouldn't even make the playoffs. Had Kevin Garnett gone as far as he could go? Had we seen the best of his career pass already? Well, in the summer of 2007, Boston GM Danny Ainge traded the fifth pick in the draft and parts 
to Seattle for Ray Allen and then packaged Al Jefferson, four other guys on the team, and two first-round picks to Minnesota for Kevin Garnett. Boston had their big three, Pierce, Allen, and the big ticket, Kevin Garnett. But could a new team have success in their first season together? How about best record in the league at 66-16? and 16? Could KG lead and dominate the way he had in previous days up north? How about Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA that first season in Beantown? But could Kevin Garnett finally win the big one and lead the Boston Celtics to an NBA title? This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the hallowed halls of the First Ballot Hall of Fame. Thank you so much for coming back to us or perhaps listening to us for the first time. This episode will be very painful and cathartic, perhaps, but probably more painful and frustrating. But I will power through for you, the listeners. I am your host, Neil, the long lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, (laughs) Mr. Never Wrong. Half Filipino, half Austin Reeves. I may not be the biggest Laker fan. I am the best Laker fan. Coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair in top grain black leather. Today's episode of the First Belt Hall of Fame could be sponsored by, could be sponsored by Veggie Straws. My guest today has a tweet that reads, uh, one of my favorite lies to tell myself is that a blueberry muffin is substantially more nutritious than a chocolate chip muffin. I could, I, that, that's what I do with myself about veggie straws in my head. Those things are, they're made of vegetables and they're delicious. They just happen to taste like potato chips. And then I eat like 80 to 100 of them. I think that's a legitimate number. I went with like a funny number and then I thought, no, I think you should go legitimate. I think when I sit down to eat veggie straws, it's it's north of 50 for sure. I like to think it's under 100. I'm going 80 to 100. I don't even mind the red veggie straws. I presume that's a different vegetable that they're making them with. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's. I think it's funny that you can just call your product like healthy food. But it can just be garbage, and people will buy it and eat it. Like vitamin water. Another thing that I love and enjoy, there's nothing healthy about vitamin water. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not at all. Whatever. Veggie straws. Buy them because vegetables are good for you, and you need some, so why not eat them in a convenient straw form? Mm -hmm. Veggie straws. Pay me for this ad. Kevin Garnett's Anything is Possible moment is through gritted teeth. A great sports moment. But is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? We have to decide that today. I'm going to put it through the ringer. God damn it. That's a different bar to clear, and I'm willing to hear this argument. And the re- the reason I'm willing to hear this argument today is because of my esteemed guest. It was his request. He loves this moment. He picked it immediately mm-hmm. when we started discussing this. I will suffer through remembering this moment so that I may talk to and get to know our guest better. He's a good man. I think that comes screaming through in everything he does. <laughs> But he's also exceptionally funny. He's written for all of your favorite platforms, The Times, The New Yorker, The Ringer. He's the author of Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results, and the co-author of You Blew It, an awkward look at the many ways in which you've already ruined your life. 
He's a writer on the Emmy-winning Last Week Tonight and the head writer of the legendary Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. He's been guest hosting Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. He's done stand-up on Late Night with Seth Meyers. His stand-up album, Physical Whisper, is well worth your time. And he wrote and performed his own stand-up special called People Pleaser. Well, today, sir, it is my pleasure to have you on the show. It's the lovely Mr. Josh Gondovin. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here playing a road game in the Crypto.com podcast <laughs> arena. Crypto.pod. I'm using that. I'm writing it down right now. Take Josh, it. It's I'm all you. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I I think it's so lovely an idea. I was just telling you this before we hopped on. Uh, I think it's so lovely that you picked this. I immediately said yes to this idea because it immediately does two things. It sets us up as immediate enemies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's doubly funny because you are such a nice professional guy. And now I get to, and I'm so lucky to have you. I was, I wanted you on because you're that guy. That's very kind. But I also now get to uh, openly harass you and hate you. And I'll probably swear at you. And I think that's very fun too. I truly, I've lived in New York City for 12 years. And just like as a person who wears a Red Sox hat sometimes, I am used to that. Just like on the street, people yelling at me, which is, yeah, it is. So I'm like, I'm already used to being under siege for my uh, for my great. controversial sports opinions. Great. I bet you, you the way you look with a Boston Red Sox cap, I bet you a lot of guys take a run at you on the streets. Oh, I mean, well, I used to live <laughs> I used to live pretty far uptown. I used to live in 137th Street, and on my block, guys that I would walk by every day, and you know, no no problem, just like. Dudes, who I would see Sanery pass doing errands. I would wear my Red Sox hat and I come out, and then I would get stuff. Truly, just like guys. Ice Girl, and then Yankees forever. And I'd be like, yeah, man, I respect that that's your team. And they would go, you better. And I'm like, Are, like, what did, what is this, what is this escalating towards? I like it's, it. You can't, it's, it's not, these aren't gang colors. <laughs> that's what this is for me. I'm the guy outside the grocery store with you today. I'm going to harass you. I'm going to run you out of this podcast. You're never going to come back. I'm going to make this so uncomfortable for you. Perfect. Thank you for coming out and doing the show. I really appreciate it. I'm not paying him. He's doing this for everything. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you for doing it. Uh, before we get started, can you set the table for us? Your fav- I think I know all these answers. Your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time. Sure. So I'm a big NBA yes. fan. Same. I'm a big Celtics fan specifically. I grew up in the Boston area. I'm like pretty New England sports across the board, but the Celtics are the big one. Yep. I do league pass so I can follow them when I'm in New York or on the road. Um, and I favorite athlete of all time. I mean, like the it's tough because he only was on the team for such a for a few seasons. Oh, so but I, I have to go KG. Let's say for the sake of today's discussion, okay, okay, Kevin okay. Garnett, who I do love, but I, I like don't I haven't given a lot of thought. I would say current favorite Celtic Marcus Smart. Right. Love Marcus Smart. Had a jersey in my office at Jesus and Marrow um for I think the whole time. Actually, set it up. My old office made it last week tonight, Ben Silva, who's now at Saturday Night Live. Very funny writer from Los Angeles. Big Laker fan. We all the offices for a period at last week tonight had themes mm. like uh, contrasting themes within each two person office. And ours was Celtics Lakers because he's from L.A. <laughs> so he we both had jerseys up and like decorated with like banners and Amazing. stuff in our office. Amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, no. Yeah. Kevin Garnett. 
I mean, I'm I'm probably, and this will be the start of this caveat for me, which I'll almost certainly repeat a thousand times in this <laughs> recording. I might be completely biased as a Laker fan, but Kevin Garnett playing for the Celtics, and particularly particularly this season and this title, kind of wiped the Minnesota Timberwolves thing from history for me. To me, he's a Boston Celtic. Like that. That's what I think of KG. It's really interesting because he was in Minnesota for so long, yes. and then he he played in Brooklyn mm-hmm. after Boston. But the, it was his career, even though his individual performance didn't peak in Boston. His he won the championship in Boston. I think this moment that we're going to talk about today is such like an indelible yeah. KG moment yep. that I think it transcends his MVP season. And no offense to the people, the good people of Minnesota, much beleaguered Timberwolves fans yeah. <laughs> having to. Uh, stuck under the four thumbs of their two centers now, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. I think I I think no disrespect to his incredible tenure in Minnesota, but like this, he is a Celtic, even though he was really only there for yeah. three four seasons. Isn't it amazing? I wonder. I, I of course I don't have this answer. I you know you know this is the type of research you'd expect of a normal show. <laughs> I haven't done it. I don't know how many years he's played in the Timberwolves. He became a star with the Timberwolves. He won an MVP with the Timberwolves. Yeah. And I just I've literally wiped it from my memory bank. To me, I see him in that goddamn green and white, and like that's just who he is. And he's yelling and he's on the jumbotron, screaming at the Boston Celtics, smashing fans. his like, head oh into God. the stanchion. That, just like uh, totally in a frenzy. I'm getting sick even just thinking about it all. I, <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm having a real visceral reaction to this. Uh, have you ever met KG before? Did he, was he ever on Deez and Marrow? I haven't. I've oh never. God. I've never met him. He, and he did. When I was at Deez and Marrow, he did a documentary with Showtime, but mm-hmm. we never had. It. I think it might have been while we were still in pretty deep quarantine, so we, we wouldn't have been in the office. I and I try always like because I didn't produce the interviews on the floor, right? So I try not to like get in the way just right, for right, my right. own enjoyment. Yeah, but I that's one I would have. Yeah, totally. Um, because there was, it's a big New York City staff and like New, tri-state area staff. So when Derek Jeter came through for the last oh, episode, everyone was so excited, bad. and I was like, "Look, I know this is a big deal, but like this doesn't change my heart rate." <laughs> and, but like if KG were there, I would have been like, oh, "Mr. Garnett, it would be an honor if you would punch me in the side of the head." <laughs> Please scream something derogatory about my mother and dunk on me. <laughs> I met him once. I think I've told this story before on the show. I pitched him a bit where I wanted to animate some of his trash talk stories. Uh, and he, um, you know, that's a, obviously a pretty short pitch and like, you yeah. know what it is. And I pitched him that idea and he was into it. And within the next five minutes... He did all of the talking. Yep. He laid down on the floor. He was like, he was like, what if you got the camera down here? And he laid down on the floor. And he's like all of this seven feet tall. Yeah. And he's very slender. You can't believe how tall and like he looks insane uh, in person. He's laying on the ground. He's got like the f- nice, like almost like fitted jeans on. Sure. He's laying on the ground. He's going, what if the camera's like this? And he's talking, he's doing the full Kevin Garnett thing. He stands up and he finishes like his end of the pitch, like his sort of thoughts on the idea and what we could do with it. Josh, he had a towel, like, you know, like a quarterback towel that you put yeah. in your waist. He had it like in his waist. He Just sits for down, conversation? He, Josh, he gets up and he finishes the thing. And I see him, he pulls the towel out and I go, oh, the towel now makes perfect sense. He is profusely sweating. 
It is like he has stepped out of like the fucking science class. Like, uh, oh shit, I got acid on me, and I need to like yeah. power wash this shit. He yep. is co- he is glistening. He's covered. He's dripping. And I just was like, this was as advertised. You are I love as that. advertised. That's it's so awesome. beautiful. It really was. It was God, awesome. He's so intense. I um Michael Pina, the basketball writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, profiled him for GQ when the the documentary yes, was coming yes. out, and the the detail that like Ugh. really sticks out from like the ambiance of when they were talking was that he walked in and uh, KG immediately was like, "I know you're not wearing your shoes on my white carpets," and he was like, "Yes, sir, I will take your <laughs> shoes off, sir." <laughs> He's like the most intense man on earth. He you you posted about this. I had not read this or known this until I saw it on your Twitter. That same interview talking about the movie serendipity do you remember him oh my god yeah he loves serendipity (laughs) all these little stories the other one that was in there that i don't think i'd ever heard before was he was he once was watching making the band and he punched a hole in the wall that of the wall of the i think of the room in his own home oh headbutted headbutted uh, you you're gesturing to your head headbutted (laughs) a hole in his own wall because he thought the guys on making the band like weren't giving it their all and that's like God, I love him so much. Do you remember making the band? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, you know, what's even crazier is again, I learned all of this through researching for this through your Twitter feed. I let, got let, I got sent to the same articles that making the band one, which by the way, I am maybe the world's foremost making the band expert. I love okay. that show. Uh, making the band. Um, it's not even just any moment of making the band. It's when Puffy has the guys in the house. Mm-hmm. And then he brings in new guys and they do that sing off. Do you remember that yes. moment? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what fired Kevin Garnett up he so was just hard. Like, he's not bringing it in the sing off. <laughs> Pow, head through wall. I just like, it's, it must be, it must be so tiring. Like he must burn 3,500 calories a day, just like vibrating in place Isn't with that, that level of intensity. And it really, you said it, it's beautiful. I completely agree. Like that, that, that he is who you think he is and that he is this way about dudes in a sing-off on a, on a reality show on MTV. It's and he fantastic. loves the movie Serendipity, right? That he, he said this is his favorite movie. It, it, the quote is, um, it took me and I never let it go. For, I mean, for, that's beautiful. Uh, that's it's beautiful. beautiful. Incredibly poetic. And and it's about like a movie that is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people make a joke about, but he finds it beautiful. He finds it meaningful and he fights and defends it the way he would a teammate, the way he would, you know, game seven. It's just, it's lovely. He's this way. Uh, The quote continues like, that's some shit that I would totally be on being free spirited and all that. Every time I watch serendipity, I feel like I'm watching it for the first time. You know what I'm saying? And then the, the article says, even when uh, just discussing it, he can't help but get worked up. Quote from Kevin, each time I'm like, no, get back on the elevator. Go, go, like, fuck. <laughs> That's like the intensity he brings you watching a romantic comedy. Oh, my that God. That he's just like, fuck, do it. And oh it's like, God. God, it's he's so sincere, it which really I is. appreciate so much. Right. And. and he brings a trash talk to another level, which I like. I can't imagine is as one hundred percent in earnest, right? That's yeah. like competitive stuff yeah. that you do to psych a guy out. But this is real. Like oh. he's really operating on this level that he's like watching serendipity. Like he, like his, like he bet his house on it. Yeah. Like he's like if if they don't get together, like I'm gonna lose my family. Like that's the level that he watches romantic comedies at. 
it's it is lovely it is a lovely thing uh, this is so much fun to talk about uh can i tell you a little bit about my 2008 finals experience please so the 2010 finals i'm immediately going to start my 2008 finals experience by discussing 2010 when the Lakers sure won. a thing that hasn't happened yet in, in the in canonically <laughs> but yeah sure skip forward ahead to make yourself feel better about the lakers of that decade fine <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking this away from me, Josh. My favorite, my favorite part about this year is when I become president in 15 years. Yeah. Just, I'm just putting it out there. 2010 Game Seven, I often refer to as the least fun I've ever had watching a basketball game. That was oh. torture. I am an adult man. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be this way, but I am, and I I can't really uh, make sense of it. 2008 Game Five is without question the lowest moment in my sports fandom career. When when we had a 21-point lead, the Lakers had a 21-point lead after the first quarter, the biggest lead after a first quarter in NBA Finals history. We were up 24 in the first half, and then we lose game five, and that Ray Allen driving layup past Sasha Vujicic from game five was so devastating it's honestly, it's the, it's the, it's it's just it. I had like when whatever, whatever it was, I was twelve years old or something, and Notre Dame was playing in a, a, a football game, and a guy kick returned the kick for a touchdown, and they mm-hmm. called a clip on the play, and I was devastated, and I cried as a child, yeah. and that was always like nothing will get lower than that. Yeah. And then as a full grown adult, Game Five happens, and I'm devastated. It's, I felt I felt pretty good about it. I felt good when that happened. <laughs> we had different experiences in that moment. Well, then game six happens. Like, oh, pardon, game four. I'm so sorry. I've screwed this up. Game four, Celtics come all the way back win. They take a 3-1 lead. Right. Lakers have a gutty game five win. Game they, five win. They go yep. back to game six, which 100% felt like walking into the gallows. Uh, and the Celtics come out. It's a the first quarter is back and forth. Celtic, I, you know, I've already told this story in the intro to the show, but the, the Celtics – breakout they take a lead a 20 point lead in the second quarter and at halftime i went i'm turning this off because i also do that i'm very superstitious i'm like i can affect this if i don't watch it oh yeah i feel that way for sure Uh, and then i never watched the second half of this game ever so the first time i saw anything is possible i hear what he's saying but i don't really know the context because i refuse to watch the game and yeah. uh, 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 in preparing, so you still don't know who won. Prepare, you, you SOP. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it if you're going to watch it at some point. <laughs> to prepare, I'm not. To prepare for this episode, I want you to know I rewatched game four. Oh my God. To get back in that feeling. Sure. I watched Anything is Possible, Kevin Garnett's uh, Showtime documentary. Mm-hmm. And I watched. Um, uh, I also watched the first half that I had seen of game six. I refused to watch the second half of game six. I've still never seen the second half of game six. I'm not going to watch it for you or for this episode. It's okay. We're gonna, Again, we're gonna, no you spoilers. You can talk about it. I'm <laughs> going to go anyway. I know what you're talking about, but can't I'm go not going to watch it. <laughs> it, it could have gone in any direction. It was, I mean, it well, It felt, I and I say this not to rub it in, but like <laughs> I imagine, truly, because I watched the Celtics lose the finals on their home court, right? Get cl- the Warriors last last uh, year right. clinched right. in Boston, right. and it was very painful, very painful to watch. Yeah, 
Um, so I imagine I know that pain now in the future. Then all joy, uh, but now in the future pain. <laughs> but um, it was it is it was like it felt amazing to watch them win it, and it wasn't really after the first half in doubt. Game yes. six, and and it felt. I mean, there was so much going on, and I almost, I almost for this picked the Paul Pierce wheelchair entrance. (laughs) That's my next question to you. That's my next question to you. Okay. Before we dive into our moment, uh, please. A major talking point on the show across multiple episodes now has become the Paul Pierce wheelchair incident. Yeah. I want to know your take. What do you think happened? I presume if you're listening, you know what the Paul Pierce wheelchair moment is. If you don't, I will summarize after Josh's answer. I don't want to influence his answer here. What do you believe happened in the Paul Pierce wheelchair moment? I think he was being theatrical. I think that's the the sum total. There's one interview that was like last year or the year before yeah. where he says explicitly that he shit his pants. He said but, it on national television. But I think he said it kind of – I think he was joking. Like I don't think he's an especially funny guy and I think he was <laughs> – like he was goofing around. Like he right. was like, oh, here's my alternate universe. Like he was like, oh, I came in in the wheelchair uh, because my legs had fallen off and they just sewed him back on. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's doing like a bit that just doesn't land, I think, because of that was his tone to me. Um, it would be so funny if he shit his pants. <laughs> I mean – Like I, I, I wish – it were so, but I I think he was like playing up the drama of the moment, which I thought was fun. But I understand why that's controversial and why right. people outside of Boston hate that. I I think it's in. I think the only thing more insane than him actually defecating in his pants during a basketball during a finals yeah. game would be him coming up with that as an excuse. Because this is my read on the situation. I yeah. think he got. He got worried about an injury. Like Anthony yeah. Davis's past uh, playoffs yeah. a couple weeks ago, hurts his shoulders. Like, I can't move my arm. Like, he freaks out. He, you're, yeah. You're, you're, everything at the moment is so intense that something, you hear something, you feel something, you're like, oh, fuck, yep. I'm injured. I think that's what happened to Paul Pierce. They wheel him out of there. He's like, shit, this might be bad. So they put him in a wheelchair, they take him out. And it, then he's like, okay, everything's all right. Whew, what a relief. I'm going to go back out there. I'm going to play. They win the title. I think everybody's bagging on it became such a big thing, an internet thing, making fun of Paul Pierce, the wheelchair, that he goes, how am I going to defuse this? I think he said, I shit in my pants, thinking that if I say this, then people will not make fun of me being a baby or a wimp or getting wheeled out. I I think he was sick of being made fun of for for what was seen as being kind of theatrical and like leaning into this like what turned out to be not a serious injury i agree and i and i think i think we're on the same page more or less that he invented this story out of kind of like to get people to not talk about this other he's like yeah yeah i shit my pants and then that <laughs> became but i think people took it more seriously than totally a hundred percent i don't have the clip played but robbie play my clip here from paul pierce uh, admitting that he shit his pants i have a confession to make <laughs> Whoa. I just had to go to a bathroom. A number a one or a I had to go two. to the bathroom. But why did you need a wheelchair to get to the bathroom? It was that bad. I, it was something went down. I had to go to the bathroom. Oh. You were streaking. Okay. Anywho. Uh, injuries. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a joke to me. And okay. You you could, I mean, you've, you've already prefaced this by saying maybe he's not 
like maybe he doesn't know the art of telling a joke. Sure. But to me, it's like he's I feel like he's literally trying to like pass off that he shit his pants. I think under the pressure and the weight of being brutally made fun of for being in that wheelchair, yeah. his like release valve was to go, Oh, I shit my pants. I shit my pants. Which is That's a fair. crazy, crazy uh, excuse Incredible to run off to. And Incredible. this was over a decade later. Yes, That's the other yes. thing about that. This wasn't like three days after the finals. This is like <laughs> 12, 13 years later. <laughs> Plenty of time to think of anything else. I think, and I, I'll say, I think Paul Pierce as a post-career, uh, like in his new career as yes. kind of a broadcaster, analyst, talking head uh, type guy, I think, which it's so funny. He's just like always at Celtics games, like, a, like uh, Matthew McConaughey and... Um, Dazed and confused, just like be hanging out at the old high school. I love it. It, it it's but it's more charming and less like gross. Um, but it is it's so charming to me that he's like, hey guys, uh, and he's just hanging out like dapping up Tatum and Brown on the sidelines. And but I think people in kind of like this era of him and his kind of like at times clunkiness and like the get parting ways of the SPN forget. That he was really good. Nasty. He was Nasty. really good. He, he might be, and I say this with a deep respect. I hated Larry Bird and Michael Jordan as a kid because I knew they might be better than Magic Johnson. I'm not saying sure. that either one is or was. <laughs> I'm saying I knew as a kid they might be as good as Magic sure. Johnson, and that offended me so deeply as a child that I hated them. I did not watch Michael Jordan games live uh, as a kid because I hated him. I hated Michael Jordan, and I hated Larry Bird. But as an adult, I hated Paul Pierce maybe more than any other athlete. As a kid, like, I don't know anything. But as an adult, I knew that I didn't have to feel this way about a guy, but I did. And it's because Paul Pierce got to that elbow and shot that jumper, and it was yep. that was living fear for me as a Laker fan. Yeah. And, it, I mean, those – when when LeBron was kind of mm -hmm. early in his mm -hmm. career, like, ascendant, and Pierce was in his prime as a player, those playoff series and games back and forth were – really exciting and the series in 08 was incredible i remember the the pj brown game where he like they brought him in and he just hit a couple like 13 footers 18 footers and i remember listening to that i was driving back from somewhere like i was watching and then had to drive home and i was listening on the radio to like and pierce has this many and lebron has this many I just like right. freaking out in yeah. my car and it's it he was really a an excellent player he really was he was I, i'm not certain i ever feared anyone more or hated anyone more than paul pierce and i that is with the deep respect um uh, for for the celtics and paul um we we got to dive into our moment we have to decide whether anything is possible is good enough for the first ballot hall of fame to do that we have to go through our hall of fame credentials those are the categories by which we judge our moment i'm going to go through them if you have any questions please ask uh the first credential as always analytics these are the numbers behind this moment Kevin Garnett, game six, he plays uh, 35 and a half minutes. He's 10 of 18 from the field. He has 14 boards, four assists, three steals, a block, 26 points in total. He's a plus 32 on the night. Uh, Ray Allen, a, a great game as well. Ray John Rondo has a great game. Uh, everybody really does well. James Posey, I just want to say for a second, that team went – Honestly, I didn't even remember like the lineup, the roster. They really went twelve deep. I hate this. It was team. a deep team. They were so deep. Like uh, you mentioned, PJ Brown already. PJ Brown, Eddie House, James Posey. That, a long, lifelong 
uh, affair of me hating those dudes because of this <laughs> playoff run. Those guys mattered. They weren't just like scraps yeah. coming off the bench. Those dudes, even Poe, Leon Poe, the, all Le- those dudes I love Leon Poe. Oh my God, I hate this And team. it's all those guys are like, even, even like Poe didn't have like a super long NBA career right. but he's a, a guy that's like beloved in boston still like he those that he run he was he was such a, a player Ugh. and like it's one of those like high effort high energy guys mm-hmm. like rebounds bigger than his size and eddie house i think is still he does broadcast stuff yes. for the team yep. still yep. he's he's still in the mix which i i like love uh brian scalabrini mm-hmm. <laughs> still in the mix there um i love that too i i have a real affection and and the Lakers have it too, right? With with Worthy mm-hmm. do, doing broadcast yep. for for them, and and the Knicks obviously have it with Walt Clyde Frazier. Yep. And I I like when a a player Same. sticks around and and kind of makes the team his professional home. Yep. And I think there's like an affection there and an appreciation that that, that continuity, especially when they're a good broadcaster, yep. and it's really fun. I love they have uh, at Knicks games they have John Starks will come out and like hand like mm-hmm. a big check to some charity or whatever and the second that guy's face is on the jumbotron the whole goddamn place lights yeah. up it's fantastic yeah it's it's really I I like that and I like when the players feel a connection yes. to a team and you go oh that's my team right yep. like I feel this connection that's kind of irrational yep. and they obviously this was their workplace but like I don't hang out at all my old jobs right. <laughs> so like I think it's nice that when a player is like oh this fan base and this organization means something to me as like a person and as an enduring career after playing or like they played other places and came back mm-hmm. to be a part of that I think is like kind of nice eddie house perfect example eddie house uh miami heat uh los angeles clippers charlotte milwaukee sacramento phoenix the nets then boston then the knicks then miami again uh but that i don't give a shit about any of those other teams eddie house was a boston celtic and i hate him for it yeah which i i respect um yeah it was a a really great team and and a few guys that really played the like modern like james posey is like a pj tucker jay crowder Mm -hmm. type right Mm -hmm. like if people are modern nba folks that he has that like three and d Mm -hmm. and that's like around when people kind of started talking about that as like a kind of guy (laughs) like a a type of player and you guys had tony allen on that team too kobe oh yeah the best defender that's ever guarded him uh, and he didn't even play much on that goddamn team. They were and they he, were nasty. Well, he got hurt. He kept getting hurt. It yeah. was too bad. He hurt himself like dunking at one point, like hurt his arm, I think. It was he he was great. And then he went to the Grizzlies and like was great there and mm-hmm. beloved on those Memphis Grant and Grind teams. What did you what is your favorite part of this 2008 title team? Like do you have something that sticks out? I mean, the, this anything is possible moment aside, is there something from a basketball uh viewpoint that you enjoyed most about this team? I really liked I'm such a sucker for the narrative of it right there. Um, I really loved the way the team kind of came together very quickly. This yes. is their first season. Yes. And it was it was it was super team esque, but it was like one of those behind the scenes like Danny Ainge wheeling and dealing, mm-hmm. bringing in Garnett, trading for Garnett, trading for Allen. And you go, wow, this is like a real like, is this going to work? Yep. And then just the kind of cultural reset of the Doc Rivers would say Ubuntu, which is maybe yep. Swahili yep. for togetherness. Excuse me if I got the language of origin wrong. Um, but it just like that idea of like the 
togetherness of this team that had not been together that long, I thought was really nice. And they were one of those teams my dad would say they they played the right way. Uh, not he's my dad is one of the people that's like too many three pointers. They should abolish <laughs> the three point arc. Sincerely believes that. I that's agree. like his. That's his point. And um and this was not this was like before yes. that. Yes. So it was these guys that were shooting like 12 footers, 18 footers, mm-hmm. taking it to the basket. Mm-hmm. It it was um but like a real sense of togetherness on offense and defense and like uh, uh people knowing their role on the team, appreciating it. And so like people I think the role players were very appreciated. The James Posey's, the Eddie's, Eddie's house. Um, people were like, they, he, Eddie house knew he wasn't getting up 15 shots a game. He right. was there to take like seven shots. Yeah. Four of them would be threes. It, it, it's beautiful to see people accept their role on a team in any, yeah. in any field, but there's something about basketball that's just so visual and you can see it and you can see people doing that and it's a just a beautiful lovely thing that you've all come together toward this common goal and you've put aside all of these things and like that's the thing like you know we see Eddie House or you see Leon Poe and you go oh he's a he's a role player guy but Leon Poe and Eddie House were probably absolute monsters through high school oh, yeah. and college they probably fucking dominated so for them to go no I'm gonna do this thing I'm gonna be great in my 8 to 12 minutes for Kevin Garnett a former league MVP to go I'm just gonna concentrate on locking up the paint on defense that yeah. is so beautiful and impossibly frustrating for me as a Laker fan. That defense was, to me, the defense I was the most scared of as a fan. I hated playing you guys. Kobe had to settle for so many threes because he hated driving. I hate that team. I really do. I hate this 2008. <laughs> Just thinking about them. Thinking about Kevin Kendrick Garnett Perkins, going, right? Oh we haven't even brought God. up Kendrick Perkins. It's the, 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 it's the worst. Even somebody like P.J. Brown. He was so good on that team defensively. I, I hate this team. I hate you. And yeah. I don't like this team. I don't this like that we're even people discussing. have to me often. Uh, um, but yeah, I think I really, I really loved this team, and it it <laughs> felt there was it got rocky, right? Like I think if it had just come together yes. and they just they and right. they pretty much breezed through the regular season, and yes. the playoffs were kind of a That's slog. Right. Yep. They, it was all very similar to this Celtics season to to date, mm-hmm. where they. The first round was against the Hawks. It was a one eight right. series, That's right. and the Hawks took him to seven games. And That's we were right. like, maybe these guys don't have it in the playoffs like that. And and then they they kept going through, and they the, uh, the they won the finals. And it was obviously it was very. It felt. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. No, right? Because you. Yeah, sorry. Fuck. I spoiled it. <laughs> oh fuck! I said that I wasn't gonna. That I spoiled it. But they. But it was such a like, and the a team that like really prides itself on defense and like playing like on a string they say right for on defense right like rotating and like committing there's just something that feels like you were saying a very like heartening to watch like i'm i'm such a sucker for the idea of like teamwork Mm -hmm. and it was such a the the offense there there were three guys that had all been the best player on a team definitively Mm -hmm. right like ray allen it it was like a superstar yep and and for the three of them to really um, all go like, we're all going to be co-stars here and and we'll see, like, we're all going to do what the team needs felt very encouraging and like really 
exciting to watch happen like and evolve in real time the uh 91 i think 91 92 or maybe it's 991 i can't remember jordan's first finals Mm -hmm. he plays against the lakers i'm like peak like little kid but like deeply care about the lakers and i'm looking at michael jordan i'm terrified of him i'm terrified of scotty pippen i hate the bulls like i'm like I'm like exactly like I am right now on this podcast, except I'm younger and even dumber than I am currently. (laughs) And I remember someone going, you don't win. It's very hard to win an NBA title in your first appearance to the NBA finals because you're not prepared. And I remember holding on to that, clutching that like a small child, clutching that and going, well, that's why we've got a chance. That's why the Lakers can win this because the Lakers have tons of finals experience. I held on to that. I protected Mm -hmm. it with myself. I wouldn't let anyone get near that idea. I was like, that's why we're going to win. And it was the same thing when when uh, KG goes to the Celtics and they get Ray and they put him with Paul. And in my head, I'm going, it's not going to work right away because these guys have to learn who they are, who's going to step forward, who's going to be the man, who's going to take this position, and it, who's going to. And they didn't. They, it they almost all right always takes a year. Like it right. took a yes. year when um, LeBron James went to the Heat. Right, that's a big example. Yep. And, and those are a really talented team, but it took them going to the finals losing and being like okay we'll recalibrate a little bit next year and this this was they really and i think part of that is just like kevin garnett probably had been waiting for that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. since he was an embryo just like the the fiercest angriest most intense embryo that's like i'm ready to be born today like you're the size of a chickpea and he's like let me out there like i i think he I, i like Really believe that if if he just had and and LeBron James I think also has that to a degree but like the the commitment that Kevin Garnett brought on defense with mm-hmm. that team and like making everyone else play defense and making them better through his effort was a really special thing for that team. Uh, the next credentials are eye test. Josh, what did you see in this moment as you replay Game Six as you rewatch uh, KG's uh, post game presser? What is it that you see in this moment that might give it that extra push to get it into the first Bell Hall of Fame? I think the the sincerity that I brought up already mm-hmm. of emotion mm-hmm. and this moment means something to him. Yep. And it it felt like you said, right? He won this title and he's a Boston Celtic in your mind. When you picture when you close your eyes and someone goes, picture Kevin Garnett, you picture him in the Celtics uniform. Ugh. And it's because, if not because of this speech, because of what this moment represents yeah. for him. Because like after all these those years of playing amazingly for teams that just weren't quite on his level, he got to do the thing that he had been waiting mm-hmm. to do. This is the opportunity he'd been waiting for. He met the moment clearly. And it was like a really and, – and it meant something to him. that, And he was thrilled. And I think in my memory, he screams, anything is possible, motherfucker. <laughs> I can't find it in the YouTube clip. Somebody cut it off. Or I'm just imagining it. But, like, I remember him just being so overwhelmed yeah. with emotion that it, like, really feels – like, people made fun of Joel Embiid when he cried when the mm-hmm. – um, Sixers were knocked out of the playoffs by that Kawhi Leonard shot that bounced all mm-hmm. over the rim. And it's like, 
No, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, I want these guys That's to right. like lay their bodies on the right. line. I want them to care. I want yep. them to play when they're hurt, but I don't want them to feel bad when they lose. It's yep. like, no, I. that's like a, a guy having a feeling because he cares. And yep. that's the thing we always say we want. And and Kevin Garnett had the flip side of that where he cared so much and got achieved this goal on television and, and was just uh, completely swept up in the moment. Uh, I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Um, I have the same sort of thing. The, the thing that stuck out to me as I thought about the game and the second half and then, you know, I watched like the the closing minute or something of the game sure. so that I could see it lead into mm-hmm. the celebration into the right into yeah, yeah. right into his uh, uh, presser with uh, Michelle Tavoya. Uh, the thing that I was taken by is I'm standing there watching them. And again, I had forgotten this. I had forgotten this. This was like a flash. And then I thought to myself, did this really happen? So I typed it into YouTube and it did. The Gatorade happens. Paul Pierce dumps Gatorade on Doc Oh, Rivers. yeah. And what I started putting together was they were in such control of that game that they had the moment and the time to really appreciate what was going on, what they were going through. And you to me, you see it all build to a crescendo in KG's speech. It's yeah. he is feeling it's not like this, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. He has accepted this. He's thought about it. He's thinking about his past. He's thinking about other coaches. He's thinking about what he's been through in life. And it's all coming out on camera. Yeah. I think it's really like a beautiful moment captured on film. Uh, or digitally, whatever they were yes, using. Yes, <laughs> the, 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 the last thing I want to add in terms of the eye test, uh, it was, this felt like the last time I remember there being like a crazy like sort of on-court thing where maybe security didn't keep certain people off the court like they should have. And now it feels like the <laughs> second, the, you know, the, you know the game's over, the security dudes for the NBA like get up, the, that tape comes out right away. But they're like just dudes walking around on this court and like fucking Boston Celtics like jerseys, like those jersey t-shirts, <laughs> just waltzing around. I don't know who the hell they are. Uh, they seem to be intermingling with the players. Various Wahlbergs and Wahlberg <laughs> adjacent <laughs> It creates a real energy on the floor, which is, is uh, again, if you don't hate it's Really, and it felt. I mean, it felt it felt organic in the way that people from Boston. The like inverse of this feeling was how mad people were at Jimmy Fallon for being on the field when the Red Sox won in 2004 because they were filming for (laughs) Fever Pitch, and they got that moment, and he was there, and they got it on camera, Um, and and people were so mad that he like co opted this celebration (laughs) for his movie, and uh, which I think is very funny. Like it's all and, and. I say this as someone you and I have been talking about this for a while, and we both care deeply about this. It's all made up, yeah. but it did feel disrespectful. <laughs> like it's all it's all arbitrary. But for Jimmy Fallon to be like, "I'm gonna coast in the wake of this for this moment," and he probably didn't make the decision, but like people lingeringly, I think, hold that against him for sure. I, and it's embarrassing to me as an adult man who works in this industry. I know that these things sometimes need to happen. This yes. is work that was work for a ton of people. That's a good yes. thing. And, and I'm it, like, as a sports fan, I get mad. Sports likes makes me an idiot for times. Totally. I, I don't like the person. Yes. I it. can watch most sports right. and be a person. But like <laughs> when I watch the Celtics in the playoffs, yes. I feel like it's, it's like, 
every every single playoff game <laughs> is like the moment where a guy like with my wife and our and our little pug it's like the moment where a guy like tells his wife that he's a werewolf and it's like <laughs> you have to chain me and don't let me out no matter what i say because i'm a different guy for like two and a half hours and she's like i love you it's okay and you're like no you don't get it <laughs> well i was i i tweeted about this this weekend but i also will do this thing where like if if it's not a super consequential game or if it's she's like in the living room reading and I don't want to bother her. I'll watch with the sound all the way off. But the problem, which most of the time is fine. Yeah. But the problem with that is every like 30 minutes, I'll be like, ah! <laughs> like out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's terrifying <laughs> because she has no context. And she's like, what What happened? Is your foot in a bear trap? Why are you reacting this way? Uh, the next credential is the ear test. What did you hear in this moment? I'm going to play it for us. This is Kevin Garnett, Michelle Tafoya. Let's listen together. Kevin, 11-time All-Star, League MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Now it's time to add to your resume, NBA champion. How does that sound? Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! That rules. <laughs> if you are scripting this as a moment, right? If you were like, this is a movie and we want to step, we want to reiterate the stakes of what just happened, you'd be like, okay. Uh, Michelle Tafoy, great call, right? Runs down his yep. resume yep. as a player, yep. which is impeccable. He takes a moment to gather himself after she asks how it feels. We are the champions is playing in the background. You hear the crowd noise in the opposing stadium, and it's, like, vibrating still. And then he go, he says, I'm so hyped right now, which, of course, he's always so hyped. He like, he's, like, going to bed, and his eyes close, and he's like, I'm so hyped right now. <laughs> but, like, he is. and And then he says, anything's possible. Then he shouts it and you could because he's like no it's this is it this is the time like when you watch the montage of the guy achieving the greatest glory of his career this is when you yell it and he like was very he was just so overwhelmed with it and i think it's like perfectly scripted it's great uh we are the champions almost two on the nose in its perfection. <laughs> that is uh, my next, um, the, the other, the, the next uh, credential, devil's advocate. This is when I want to punch a hole through this, okay. through this moment. Uh, I, I love everything you said. I think you're exactly right. As a human, as a man, as a Laker fan, I want to uh, punch a couple holes here. Uh, sure. I completely agree with you. To me, we are the champions a little too on the nose, a little corny, <laughs> just a tiny bit corny. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I could make an argument against that in terms of if I'm looking, if I'm looking at this, I want to give this thing a difficult time. I could make that argument. I also think the phrasing, like to, when you yell something, I don't think anything is to yell. Anything is possible is sounds great. It, it's not a, like a, a phrase. I don't know that anyone's ever yelled that before. Anything is possible. It's, it's also, it feels like it could be, you could take it. There could be a negative connotation to that. Of course. Anything's possible. Sure. It, 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 yelling that, I'm trying my hardest here, Lakers fans. I'm trying my hardest. <laughs> it's not the coolest thing in the world to yell. 
He then goes and kisses the leper. Like right after the game, he goes and kisses the leprechaun, which to me is objectively insane. No one reveres <laughs> their mascot like it. the Celtics, and love that's it. just a bridge. It's a it's a it's a goddamn cartoon leprechaun. The thing leprechauns aren't real, and then that's a cartoon version of a thing that's not real. And people right. are like, "I'm going to kiss this thing and don't step on it." That's insane. I love it. I love that he did it because I don't love like when Kyrie Irving stepped on the leprechaun and a couple years ago and yes. everyone was mad. Yes. Who cares? It's funny that he did that. But like that Kevin Garnett loves it. I do like that. <laughs> I like that he's like invested <laughs> in this mythology. And here's the thing. Anything is possible takes takes this from I am a champion. Right. right. I'm so hyped right now. We just did this together. Right. It's not just we did this special thing that took so much work and so much effort. The people coming together over peer, over years to make this happen, right? Honing their craft for years. It's not just that. It's not just us today. It's that anyone who wants to do anything mm. can do that <laughs> with that much effort and, uh. you know, and and – uh, serendipity let's yeah, say circling yeah. back to serendipity <laughs> if you if you put in the work and if you have that stroke of serendipity anything is possible oh, that's and that's so what weird. i think is so beautiful yeah. about it is that he's it's it's like i watch that and i'm like anything could be possible for me <laughs> and i love it i it like makes me so happy uh, and it's and it's Anything's possible for you. And then the Lakers won two years later. Yeah. That was also a thing that was possible. I didn't love it, but he was right. Right? Anything, Anything could happen. And he was he was hurt in 09. And like it just it it felt almost like this this team had the potential and the talent to be a kind of dynastic or at least one of those brief flare-ups like the Miami Heat mm -hmm. had that a couple championships it was only the one they went to two finals and they, they had the one championship so this moment I think is more special mm. because of this singular mm. moment and I think he realizes that I think yeah. it, like you said neg the negative can be true too anything is possible I can win I might also never be here again right. the future is unknown but here I'm so hyped right now I don't you, – first off, you're doing a lovely, fantastic job on the show. You're making Thank this you. very difficult for me to hate this. I'm going to power through and hate it. I also don't appreciate you bringing up him being injured in 09 to take away from my Lakers title then when we, we sure. beat the Orlando Magic. I don't appreciate that. So, Rob, Look, that I'm not saying this why they didn't win the title. I'm just Listen, saying they didn't have their best shot I know what you're doing. It. I know what you're doing. No. Uh, uh, the, the the last thing for Devil's Advocate is right after this, uh, right after that moment, he um, gathers himself and he goes, this is for everybody in soda. He refers to Minnesota as soda. Do you, your thoughts on that? To me, that's not part of it. <laughs> but I like his graciousness. Like, I think those years were very important to him. And I appreciate him. I I don't love that as part of this speech. But I, I do think that it is nice that he wasn't like, I was in a wasteland and now I'm in a promised land. I think he's like, that was part of it, too. The next credentials, you mad. Rob, play my camera on clip here. You mad, you mad, you mad. Thank you so much. Uh, is, I love it when people are mad about a moment. Was anybody mad about this beautiful moment? Yeah, I was fucking yeah, mad. Yeah, you're I'm mad right mad now. now. You're I'm still, still mad. mad. I'm way high. My, my fucking blood pressure is on the goddamn moon right now. Let's yeah. move past this. That's, that's, okay. We don't want to sure. linger on that. Uh, can I ask you about uh, the pep talks that you give on Twitter yeah. and how that started? You I don't. You don't know this. You've given me a pep talk. Josh does these. If you don't follow Josh on Twitter, you're fucking moron uh, but he does these he'll like just reach out and be like anybody need a pep talk and then you give people like earnest thoughts 
that are like comforting and lovely. And I don't know. I asked for one once because I saw you doing them and I got jealous that I like didn't think to do something like that. Because I think it makes the people. Re- I mean, I know for me, it made me like really have love for you in my heart. I thought I just Thank think you. that's so lovely. I appreciate. And you that. gave me one, and I remember being like, I feel better in this moment. You started I, doing po- uh, 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 pep talks on your on your pod when you were doing your pod. Make my day, yeah. Josh Gondelman. Uh, where? How did that start? How did the pep talk thing start? I was having like a weird couple of months mm. in 2013. It was like 10 years ago now, and it was like. A, cu- a bunch of little career stuff just kind of kept falling mm-hmm. out on me. And I was at this point where I was just like working. I was a working comic, like free working freelance writer, but it, it I was kind of barely keeping it together between those things and, and tutoring. Mm-hmm. I was like making enough to like stay living in New York, but I was, I, I didn't feel, I felt like every time it was like one step forward, two steps mm-hmm. back. And uh, one night it was late. I had had this headlining gig cancel the day of and i was like disappointed and it just felt like it meant more than the gig itself i was like you know it wasn't gonna be that much money but i was just like like this shit keeps happening and i i thought to myself that i i was like i wish someone would just like tell me it's Mm. gonna be okay Mm. so i i thought like there are probably other people that feel the same way and i didn't want to be like Somebody online, somebody tell me it's going to be okay. And then have like 30 people be like, are you all right? And like have a wellness check. And like, I, and so I started doing it then and it really seemed to resonate with people. And it's something that I can do like if I'm on the road Mm -hmm. and it's like after my late show Friday or Saturday and I'm like, well, I've got to wind down from this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good on TV. And this is something I can do that like makes me feel like I'm, that I'm not just alone in a yep. hotel in some other city Aye. and, and can, and it like really feels nice to do. I, I have no notes. I mean, you, everything you just said was lovely. And I think Thank it's you. what makes you a special person. It's the reason why I wanted you on the show. I mean, honestly, the, the pep talk to me is, I, I, I mean, I knew that you were a passionate NBA fan and obviously you picked a, you, you understand storytelling because you picked this moment to discuss with me. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on is because of the pep talks. I think they're just beautiful. And it, honestly, you. they're so beautiful that it's the type of internet thing that makes you forget that the internet is awful and that we, <laughs> like it shouldn't exist. Because you do something like that, it's like a fucking dodo video. You know what I mean? You see the goddamn turtle sure. or whatever getting oh, nursed back you. to life. And you're like, this is great. The internet's not that bad. Because and how could something so lovely exist and be so nice and friendly and warm? But the, you're the you, I, what I'm saying is, is you're the reason why the internet's bad because you you keep us all from the from the truth, which from is just leaving. Awful. We should just leave. <laughs> well, I mean, and I try I try to be sincere with it too, right? Like I don't try to give advice, but like when people what information I get from people, I mm. try to like reflect that in what I say in a way that feels sincere because I think you can even if it's just a surface level thing, right? I think there's something sincere you can offer people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you couch it a little bit, like if someone's like, I have this job interview and I don't, I like feel unprepared and you go, well, they, you didn't trick them. Mm-hmm. They want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So you just have to go in and be the you mm-hmm. that you are. Yep. And it's like, that's not right. It's not like a, I don't have to know a person right. to be like, you're good enough. Yes. And like, not that you're going to get the job that's disingenuous, but like the best thing you can do mm-hmm. is go in at ease 
and be yourself. You you're you're you must have had great folks. You must have had great. I folks. do. My parents are the yeah. best. They, yeah, I'd, I'd like to meet. I'd like to have lunch. They're with really them. Let's set that up. They're really good. The good people. You've written for three monsters: John Oliver, Jesus, and Marrow. Yep. What has been the biggest moment of your career up until this point? What's that moment where it was like this thing happened? And I, maybe it's tied to one of those three guys, but maybe it's not. Is there a moment in your career where like everything after that point has sort of fundamentally changed? I had, and it took a while for the change to take effect, but like the, and it's so silly, but the thing that like really kind of took me from like, oh, I'm getting these occasional opportunities to like, oh, I'm getting enough opportunities mm. now that if I put in the work and I do a good enough job, I'm going to get to the next place, mm -hmm. which was uh, my friend Jacqueline Moore and I had this parody Twitter account in like 2012, um, excuse me, the end of 2012, and it was just all Seinfeld parody plot yes, lines, yes. and that went so viral so quickly mm. that it like people kind of <laughs> sat up and took notice, and it like got me in rooms that I wouldn't have been in Amazing. otherwise. And it, and it helped funnel more opportunities my way because it was kind of the first time I was like a guy from a thing where you go, Oh, you're that guy that did right. that thing. Yes. And like, it's so, it took so long to get mm. there. And it was also in this period of the internet where there was less video mm -hmm. and less not that it what didn't exist but it was just it was not at the level it is now where people go oh you're that guy that you put out that thing That's and like right. a million people saw it yep. and where like everybody was having could have that at any point just randomly by a lightning strike and and this was like it it was really thrilling and it kind of got me into this position where people were asking me to pitch them stuff more asking me to submit to jobs more and that really like was this point where I was like, it could have still not happened, mm -hmm. but that's what got me to the the place of like, oh, the hard work that I've been doing all these years, I have like more outlets for it mm -hmm. and more opportunities for something to work out. Amazing. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your job at HBO for last week tonight is you're not immediately hired as a staff writer. You're hired no. as the web producer. Yep. As we talk about moments and like moments mattering and the lights are on and can you perform with the lights on? Josh uses that Twitter handle, you know, uses that to to go get this job as a web yeah. producer at Last Week Tonight. And then what do what happens with your work as a web producer at Last Week Tonight? So they they bring me. I worked there for a year. And and they offered me to move me onto the writing staff. But did you not win an award for that work as well? Oh, I mean, I consider that a show award. Like my name wasn't on it, but they won. Uh, the show won a couple of Emmys for the the for, digital stuff. For the digital stuff. So, I mean, my point is, this here. Josh is like. You know, having a moment, he's like, how am I going to get to the next step? He writes this Twitter thing. He gets this interview. He nails the interview. He goes in. He starts doing this very specific web work. And then that web work gets nominated and wins the goddamn Emmy. He becomes a staff writer and off he goes. I, that, that, yeah, that's it's exciting. That's super exciting. I hope you take a moment with your family and sort of appreciate what you've accomplished because you. the, the line of people that would love to do what you've done wraps around the goddamn planet. I, I feel incredibly fortunate. I I think that there's something like extra special about getting to be a part of something that is like bigger than something any one yeah. person could do on their own. And, and I, I like am immensely grateful for those opportunities. 
Uh, while we're appreciating things, I appreciate getting the chance to talk to you today again. Thank you for thank you. Yeah, this really is great. Appreciate it. Uh, the next credentials are test of time. This is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in past. Any other great post game pressers? Yeah, I got a couple. And by the way, this is all Neil doing legwork for the Lakers. This is just all me carrying water for the Lakers. <laughs> what about two years later, 2010, Ron Artest post game speech? Mental health, mental awareness. You know him. What about Love that it. speech? Is that better than anything is possible? Is it as beautiful? Listen, I'm not saying that. They both can't make it, but if we're going to pick a, a post-game cha- NBA championship post-game press conference thing, can you can you definitively say that anything is possible is the best? Because we're looking for the best stuff for the first Bell Hall of Fame. Is that better than Ron Artest? Your thoughts? You know, I think it's really I think it's really important to bring up Ron Artest, and I think what he did for the league in that conversation is really wonderful. Agreed. This is so meaningful to me, I can't disentangle it. But I also think that in the history of the sport, yeah. Kevin Garnett is such a significant figure <sighs> in a way that, again, no slight to Ron Artest is not quite a titan of the mm-hmm. game in the same way. So I think what he did, what he said was really beautiful and meaningful and affecting. But... I, I, this to me, the culmination of this like great athlete's great career mm-hmm. is such a special moment. Uh, you just said something I've never thought of until right now. Uh, I've also never used this credential on the show. It's called the butterfly effect. What happens if this does not happen? Think about, you just said this and it made me think that, think if he doesn't win this title, yeah. how much worse we are off as basketball fans. He for for him for someone like Kevin Garnett for how much he cared for how hard he played for how intense he was at every moment of the day whether he's watching a rom com watching a reality show or playing basketball in Game Six of the two thousand eight NBA Finals if you just threw him on the pile of guys that never won a title that we would all be less as basketball fans if that had happened yeah. I I think it was really a special thing to see. And I've used that word a few times, but I think like not to be like a rings culture guy, Mm -hmm. you know, but like it is cool that he had this, had this moment, had this awareness that it might never happen again. And that, and that he was able to like really appreciate it in the moment in a way that like, you know, you talk about the greatness of like, uh, of the, the people that have won so many titles, Mm -hmm. right. You know, Jordan has five and Steph Curry and, um, and LeBron both have four, and Kobe has the the five, right? And Shaq has what? Does Shaq have four. Shaq has four. Um, yep. And and you got you, think, and that's just the modern, you know, big names from the modern era. And you go, well, that's like greatness. And but it's also circumstance. Mm-hmm. And you think like this person only was able to capture this magic one time, mm-hmm. and and was so thoroughly swept up in that moment. And that to me is why it's like a special thing that like never happened before or since and you're right it it was this player who's like unimpeachably one mm-hmm. of the greatest basketball players of all time mm-hmm. at having his greatest achievement uh th- that's 
devastating. You're really making the case for this. Uh, you've parried my Ron Artest attempt to <laughs> foil this. I've no, got, no Ron Artest. I've got one more test of time post-game press conference to play for you. I don't know if you know this moment. It's from Dennis Clifford, who I'm told played college basketball at Boston College. I don't watch college basketball. I think it's student films, uh, two of the NBA's blockbusters. But Dennis, this is a Dennis Clifford post-game presser. We have to decide whether Kevin Garnett's speech is better than this. Let's watch it okay. together. Cliff, what's your, what are you going to take away as your best memory from playing basketball at Boston College? Probably just, like, going out to eat. <laughs> Have you seen that moment before, Josh? I don't think I have. It's, is, is Kevin Garnett's anything possible better than that kid saying that going out to eat is what he's going to remember most from playing basketball at, college, at uh, Boston College? I I think this is a, it's a great moment in a different way, but I have to say KG tops okay. it. All right. Well, listen, to each their own, I suppose. I, I think All Dennis right. Clifford is leaning at the tape there, but we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> Uh, uh, the next category, the next credential, Twitter fingers. Uh, the Twitter, you know, 2006, I think, started. I don't believe you. Were you on Twitter in 2008? No, yeah, I, I wasn't think either. so. I think I got on 2009. Yeah, maybe. I think I was like a little. Yeah, I think I was nine as well. I think I, I joined uh, to start talking shit about the Lakers beating in the Orlando Magic. But anyway, yeah, August, I, o- August 09, I there joined. There you go. I went through Josh's uh, tweets for uh, KG tweets. Let let me read just a couple. Uh, This from Josh Gondelman, at Josh Gondelman on Twitter. The playlist at my 30th birthday will just be a loop of Kevin Garnett screaming, anything's possible. Lays in perfectly here. Uh, Here's another one. says, I had a quarter of one beer and got emotional talking about Kevin Garnett's post-game speech from the end of the 2008 NBA Finals. So it's nothing out of the ordinary over here. (laughs) Yeah, this sounds sounds like me. That's... Absolutely. I Yep, I said that. I, I stand by it. Here's it probably another. will happen this year. <laughs> Please contribute to my Kickstarter for Kevin Garnett to come to my apartment and yell anything is possible in my face one time. <laughs> and the last one, please remind me to scream anything's possible when I finish my Tough Mudder tomorrow as a tribute to KG. You ran in the Tough Mudder. Uh, you wrote an article about it. I read a thing that said you were on a Wheaties box from that. Is that they true? They gave me a – they made one for me because wow. it was a, a – a thing for Wheaties. Thrilling. And, and they they gave me the box. Unbelievable. Yeah. Is that up in your office? It's got to be up in it your is. office. It is. Oh um, it's God. like right up. up there. Yeah. What a thrill. It's directly behind my, well, slightly obscured by my box of Marcus Smart, Wicked Smart cereal. <laughs> <laughs> it's also funny to explain to, to kids today what Wheaties were and why they matter. Yeah. Why being on that well, this is, this is truly, I, th- I think I'm allowed to say this, but they basically were like, um, you know, we, uh, for years, Wheaties, they, what they did was they found like the highest achieving athletes and we're like, that's a Wheaties athlete. Yeah. They put them on the box yeah. and they said, well, they were looking for some, a new way to reach consumers with a different kind of message. And they, so they kind of went 180 degrees in the opposite direction and found me. <laughs> uh, one other uh, KG tweet from Josh Gondelman. It says, of all the players in the, in the NBA, Kevin Garnett is probably the most likely to seek vengeance at the cost of his own life. That 
is a perfect sentence. I stand by that. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. I absolutely stand by it. <laughs> uh, the next segment, Dream Team. This is not a Hall of Fame credential. Relax here for a second and defending Kevin Garnett in this moment uh, against my attacks. This is the Dream Team. Everybody knows remembers the Dream Team. 1992, uh, mm-hmm. Magic, uh, Barkley, Bird, uh, Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Christian Leitner, should have been Shaq, whatever. Uh, the, the best team ever put together. Josh, your charge right now. Can you put together a dream team of the five NBA players you most want to be friends with? Ooh, gosh. This of all time or like all currently? Time. They can be dead all time. Ooh, dream team of all time. Okay, I think th- these two are power pack. <laughs> I, I'm going. The, I mean, it's two. I'll I'll count them as two. Chuck and Shaq. Yeah, that great. seems like a good great. time. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent. A power just going out pack. with the frenemies. A night out with the frenemies. That sounds amazing. They become sit at opposite ends of a giant table so that they don't get in each other's faces. I love this. This is great so far. A, po- a real, love, po- I, a veritable power pack. You got to start there for me. Um, I think, uh. I got to pick a Celtic, obviously. So I'm going to go with, and I'm not, you know who I think? I think Paul Pierce is the right amount of fun. Okay. So I'm going to put Paul Pierce okay. in that. I also think he and Shaq and Chuck would mix it up yep. a little bit. They Absolutely. would treat him like a little brother. Yes. So that's three. I've got two more. I'm going to go with someone who I think is, who I think is a, a, a great thinker, great author. I hate to have two Lakers on this list, but I'm going to go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> He's great. I love yeah. that answer. Love to talk Thoughtful. to him just about the craft of writing. Yes. Great writer. Um, and, you know, I'm going to swap in. I'm going to swap in KG for Paul Pierce. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think we, as long as we've been talking about KG, we're putting KG in here. And then who is the next? Um, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a hater. I feel like LeBron James has a little bit of that Taylor Swift in him where both of them are like, you are all characters in my movie. Right. And I think both of them have that real sense of the moment. Um, you know, I love I how wonder... you're not, I love how you refuse to just power through and throw some names out. You were, he is no. looking up. He's really giving this. I'm really thinking thought. about it. I I'm trying to piece together because I think this is like a real wild crew. It's um Kareem who's kind of keeping things on the rails, KG who's kind of taking things off the rails, Chuck and Jack there for a good time, not a long time, and then I think we need one more person who's kind of like the the planner, the methodical. Right. Yes. So I think we need a point guard for this. this hang. We need a point guard for the hang, and I'm gonna go. Um, you know what? Unsung player maybe in his time uh, yeah, actually mike conley mike, oh! mike conley is, is orchestrating this hang <laughs> yep. what a great answer let me yeah. tell you that was worth it for you to land on mike conley that's the sort of specificity sorry that it took me show. so long no, no, no. to get don't to you this apologize point, but... for a second that's a fantastic way to land that plane mike conley what a great answer mike conley's yep. great mike conley's a guy that i'm like mike conley's like basically out of the league right and he whenever he plays the lakers he lights them up yeah He's and he's in Minnesota. It feels like they want to keep him around as kind of a steadying yeah. force. And he has good chemistry with Rudy Gobert, yeah. I think, from Utah. Um, which is that's insane. That's insane. That um, it's such a wild. Their their situation <laughs> is bizarre. Like, what? I mean, <laughs> if Carl Anthony Towns had played like ten percent better 
they could trade him, but he didn't even play well enough really in the playoffs to like for them to be able to trade him. Let me let me use what you just said as a reason to back up your Mike Conley pick. If if he's the guy that understands and can like make Rudy Gobert fit, he's going to be a yep. great friend. He's a guy, right? I think he's a guy that can smooth situations yes. over. Oh. And you need a guy that we got a lot what of big personalities answer. in this in this group and you need a guy that can be like Hey guys, fantastic! So we just got to pick a restaurant. <laughs> You're killing this so far, Josh. I see the clock is running down on us. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. More important, Josh. I have a question for you. It's very important. You are okay. a nice guy. You're very kind. I've been haranguing you this entire episode. You continue yeah. to be nice and thoughtful and generous. But isn't there a time when the niceties need to stop? Isn't that how we got into this political landscape that we're in today? Because we keep turning the other cheek like Josh Gondelman and letting people walk all over us. Where are you drawing the line, Josh? When will Josh Gondelman take a stand? This is a good question. Oh, I'm so sorry, Josh. We don't have any time for that bullshit because it's time for something more important. The music's playing. The timer's ticking down. There's really no timer. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Your answer to these questions, Josh, are all way more important than the bullshit you were just about to make up. Uh, And these answers will define who you are as a man on this planet. Here we go. Are you ready for more important? I'm ready. What is your favorite cereal? Oh, um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Of course. I think it's safe. Listen, I'm not. I, this isn't about me. I think it's a little safe. It's fine. It's a good answer. It's a little right. safe. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to make you it's, feel bad. <laughs> it's breakfast. This isn't like... <laughs> uh, Josh, what are your favorite sneakers you've ever owned? And do you have a dream pair if the paper money system that we erected didn't exist? Yeah. Okay. I My favorite sneakers that I've ever purchased, I have these really beautiful... Um, Air Max Ones, mm. they're a collab with Para. I love an Air Max One, uh, comfortable, wearable, like looks good with a lot of kind, with a lot of different clothes. And these are like really loud pattern, mm. but I think you could still kind of wear them. That's really great. Um, I don't wear them that often; they're a little expensive. And if I could have any pair, I think the the one that I like always come back to when I'm drunk and just browsing StockX is um, the the cause yes kind of glow in the dark yes. jordan fours yes. that they yes. did yes where i was like those and they're so expensive it's like immoral um <laughs> but they're like like a kind of gray suede yes. upper on the jordan four and then a glow in the dark uh soul yes and i'm it's they're pretty great <laughs> they're great fantastic answer uh have you josh next question more important have you ever been in a fist fight follow up how did it go if you haven't been in a fist fight how do you imagine fist fights work Okay, so not as an adult, I haven't been in a fist fight. Um, and name him. Name not the since kid. I was like a little kid. Bobby. No, I'm not gonna. Name oh, you. Kid. He's oh. probably he's because he's not even a kid anymore. Wait, you and waxed him. I mean, if, if he was still a kid, that would be deeply inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, I fought a kid the other day. Um, but as an adult, I kind of feel like there there's like a couple kinds of fist fights, right? There's the kind where where two guys kind of run at each other mm-hmm. and then their friends pull them away. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the the sophisticated adult fist fight. Mm-hmm. And then there's the kind that ends when like someone uh, can't get up and keep fighting. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, will you say something mean about an NBA player? Okay. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, I will say this. And this is like the worst <laughs> time in history to say it because I'm being proven wrong in real time. But this is a mean thing, I think. And it starts with a nice thing. I think Jimmy Butler is a very good player. I think he's excellent. He takes it to another level in the playoffs. I think his reputation as like the winning winner who only cares about winning and only ever wins is like so overblown. Oh, he's been my to God. one final. And he's a great individual player. But I think that reputation, it, like, drives me up a wall when people are like, Jimmy Butler, he's got what it takes to win. And you're like, well, what does he want? Um, No individual awards. No team championships. What did he win? And, and And this is not to say he's not a great player, but that is just, like, a bridge too far for me. As if, like, Steph Curry doesn't care about winning or Kevin Durant doesn't care about winning. Guys who actually have have won. You are all over Jimmy Butler right now. It's fantastic. Uh, Josh Gondelman, what is your favorite pass? Do you have a favorite pass? Ooh, a favorite pass? Yeah. I – yes. I I think – and this is – I love a oh you know what I I love an alley oop but I also <laughs> I, I'll watch like alley oops over and over again I love a nutmeg yeah, they're great they're great when you throw the ball if you don't know it's when you pass the ball through the defender's legs I think that's so fun and so demoralizing they're really great uh, Josh last question you've, you've been great what is the greatest late night bit of all time you and your experience oh. in late night what's the greatest late night bit of all time. My my first impulse, and I'm just gonna shoot from the hip here, is the is Conan's Walker Texas Ranger lever. Oh, what a great answer! That, I mean, you, you are really you're in the weeds. I love that. What a great answer! Yeah. If you've not seen it, I'll put it up on the social at First Ballot Pod on Twitter at First Ballot HOF on Instagram. I realize those should be the same. Uh, a great answer. Uh, the Walker Texas Ranger lever, just it being a lever. It the motion That's what it was is, right. He oh, would pull the lever. Yes. The mo- so and the the under the underrated part of that is that the motion you get to pull that you get to yep. yank on a crank and they had and like a sound effect with uh, it I think like I could jump it was great. Uh, yeah. Josh, it's time for the cosign. That's uh, the floor is yours, Josh. The microphone is yours. I'm not going to say anything. I've been all over you. I've been trying to disprove everything you've said, but the floor is yours. Does Kevin Garnett's anything is possible from Game Six of the 2008 NBA Finals? Does it belong in the first belt Hall of Fame, and why? Without a doubt, it belongs in the first ballot Hall of Fame. It is one of the great players in NBA history at the greatest moment of his career with a memorable quote, delivering it with the kind of emotion and attachment that only that that we want from players. We want players to care. And this is someone great caring so much and, and becoming just so taken with this moment and and being so present in the moment which is that he'll never reach again and you don't know it at the time mm. but he knows right now this is the greatest thing i've ever achieved and and so i think unimpeachably it's a hall of fame moment i'm sorry to say it <sighs> this to is, you but time, it is it's time for the induction speech it's time for the induction speech that's just, it's <laughs> me it's on me now i get to decide where this thing goes in josh doesn't really have any real power in the first bell hall of fame this is my show i can do whatever the fuck i want I'm listen sorry. i think the biggest uh, successful attack that i made was the ron artest speech i mm-hmm. think it's um as good it's as heartwarming he's a, a bigger character i think he's slightly funnier he's like you know, huffing and puffing about Kobe threw me the ball. There's a lot of good stuff there. I also think that Dennis Clifford kid that talking about going out to eat, he was fantastic. I think I, I think I really took the axe to the tree there, and I started chopping down one of the legs on this Kevin Garnett moment. I think the most devastating argument is 
what Josh has said. This is the high watermark. This is the best moment from a, a truly a legend's career. I have previously talked about John Salmon's having this being a, a great moment in John Salmon's career uh, being added for a moment that we've an episode we've previously discussed. Uh, uh, there's something about uh, recognizing a legend, an icon like Kevin Garnett, that is devastating. That's a giant vote in favor of putting this into the first ballot Hall of Fame. But this is my show, and I hate Kevin Garnett, and I don't want to put it in. That said, as I've said before on this show, great performance yields results. Josh Gondelman just put up 37 and 12 and 6 on this episode it pains me to say it, Kevin Garnett, your goddamn speech, Michelle Tafoya, Josh Gonneman, congratulations. Anything is possible is in the first battle. Anything is possible! <laughs> I'm so hyped right now. Josh, thank you so much for being on the show. You were fantastic. I wish you were worse. I wish we. I didn't like you. I wish you had said a bunch of crazy-ass shit that was, like, offensive. <laughs> I wish you weren't funny and thoughtful and, like, generous with your time. I'd love to fucking put an axe in this thing. I might do it in an episode. Like, that's the thing, is you're going to go off and live your life, and I'm going to go forward with the show. I could take it out in a couple episodes sure. from now. Yeah. But right now, I'm saying this thing is in because you were fantastic, and I really Thank appreciate you, you doing it. Uh, how can people follow you? What can you plug? I'm uh, at Josh Gondelman on Twitter, as long as that lasts, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I have a newsletter called That's Marvelous. You yes. can uh, find that. It's uh, joshgondelman.substack.com. I have a stand-up special that's an hour long. Um, it's for free on YouTube if you live in the United States. And I'm about to go on tour, back on tour pretty heavy. So I'm all over the U.S., um, I'm doing a run through California, the Southeast. I've got a Midwest run. So please check me out. Josh Gondelman.com G O N D E L man. Um, and, and come see a show. If you had a good time, I, I, I really like, uh, when people come to the live shows, how great is this guy? I, I don't, there's nothing else to say. How great has he been on this episode? There's nothing else to discuss. we got to support this guy. Josh Gondelman. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really thank appreciate you. It. It's been a pleasure. That's it. That's the show. My real thanks to Mr. Josh Gondelman, a gentleman. A scholar, a very funny person, but more important than all of that, a kind human being. My thanks to him. Support the writers and actors on strike. We are all we got. My shout out today goes to Mr. Michael McGuire. He's been a great friend of the show, listening to our podcast, writing me about the show, suggesting moments, including some golf moment between Rory McElroy and some other golfer I've never heard of. Uh, Davis Cup, wherever they're, you know, they're like playing somebody directly. I watched the clip. It actually seemed like a pretty great moment. I I don't know what has to happen for a golf moment to make the first Bell Hall of Fame. Maybe a fist fight. But in terms of like a straight sporting moment, golf moment, this one seems like it does have a decent shot. Anyway, thanks to Mike for listening to us. If you have time, please rate and review the show. It would help us a lot. Credits. Jessica Seng produces the show. Rob Arucci edits it. Rhythm J makes the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. David Estramskis produces us at Ball is Life. We're part of the Ball is Life podcast network. Today was a lot of fun. I'm sorry for having an episode on the Boston and please come back next week for more First Ballot. That rules. (laughs) 